Glad that you're here. It's a special day for a young lady, and some of her family are here, and we're excited about that. I, Before we begin this morning, I have an announcement I'd like to make. Last night, I called ESPN and uh, asked them that in honor of Indian Springs Baptist Church, would they delay the Arkansas game 30 minutes? And they all said yes. So, uh, hey, what, we're, we're not in a hurry, are we? Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here. I, I want to invite you this morning to take your Bible. And go with me to Luke chapter 10, okay? Luke chapter 10. I hope you brought your Bible. Uh, there may be one in front of you there. You may have a smartphone if you do that. Um, let's see, what is our password? Oh, it's my phone number. 501-765-2915. But don't call me at midnight, okay? <laughs> All right, gang. Let me tell you, we got an awesome passage. Incredible passage to talk about this morning. We... Uh, we could call it the tale of two sisters because it's an, a, a marvelous dialogue that Jesus has with two ladies that he loves very deeply. I've given it the title, This One Thing, because in the course of the message and at the end, let me tell you what my goal is. My goal is to challenge you to think for a moment the one thing most necessary that you need with God, from God, today. Now, I don't know where you're at in life, okay? All of us are at different stages, different things, different pressures, all those things going on in our lives. And so my goal is for you to think for a moment, out of all the junk and all the pressures and all the uh, challenges going on in my life, what is the one thing most necessary for me right now as I live my life? There's an author by the name of Gordon MacDonald. Years ago, he, he wrote an incredible book. It was called Ordering Your Private World. And in the book, here's what he wrote. He said, the Bible knows nothing of volunteers, only the called. And when you study the Bible and when you uh, read about the teachings of Jesus, it seems that Christ made a distinction between those that are driven to succeed for self-gratification and those called to serve for His glory. Now, gang, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a long time. Uh, back in, I don't know, October, November, God began to stir my heart on the subject, uh, began to make impress upon me the need to share. We had a lot going on then. Uh, all through the, the end of the year, we were, got to talking about Joshua after the, the beginning of the new year when we were dealing with debt and debt issues and giving issues. We came back to Joshua, and I, I guess maybe now's the time. Uh, it seems to be the time. For me to share, I guess maybe because spring is around the corner. We didn't know that last week, but it is, okay? Uh, summer's about to get us. It's going to be a lot pulling at you. Uh, all of them are good. Listen, I'm telling you, all of them are good. Vacations are important. Uh, baseball's important. All those things are good. But it's important that we have a handle on what's number one. And then we fit everything else around that which is most important, okay? And it seems to be maybe more today than when I was younger. I don't know. It seems to be such a 
fast-paced today. There seems to be a lot driving us to be doing, but it hinders us from being. And so Martha and her sister Mary present some intriguing thoughts to us. It's a, it's a passage, it's a, it's a dialogue that forces you to look at your life. It, it, as I, over the last couple months, and then this week as I really tried to pour into it, it forced me to think a little bit, sit down and think a little bit about where I am in life, what stage I'm in. So I think it'll be rewarding for us. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 38. Okay? Luke 10, 38. The Bible says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, don't, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Let me inject, it's probably not wise to tell Jesus what to do, okay? But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you're bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Father, in the next few moments, help me to share a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. It's a passage that I believe will address each of us in our own particular world, in our own particular way. It's a passage that's going to force us, Father, to maybe reevaluate or at least evaluate where we are in life, help us to deal with some of the pressures that are going on and the demands and the pull of things going on in our life. And then I hope, Father, being led of your spirit, it'll help us to make some decisions. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, gang, thank you. Be seated. Keep your Bible open now. Let me tell you, as we begin, we have to be careful here, okay? Because if we're not careful, as we read about these two ladies, we'll get the idea that this is a personality issue, and it's not. Now, there's no doubt that Martha was type A, no doubt. No doubt it was probably her house. It seems to me that she is probably the oldest, the oldest, the oldest in the family. How many of you are the oldest? Bless your heart. I have an older sister, and I love her. She's the oldest one. Why is it you oldest ones want to tell us what to do all the time, huh? But this is not about personality. This is about priority, okay? But I tell you what I want to do. I want to take a moment to talk to you about personality. You know why? First of all, I love it. I love studying personality. Uh, it's been a kind of a joy of mine. I've taught lessons on it. I, I just love talking about personality. And in fact, I, I share with our early service when, when I came here many years ago, uh, one of the things that God led me to do early on is to do a study of personality. 
And I want to tell you, uh, it, it changed our church. Those of you that were here might remember it changed our church. It changed my life, made me think different about the people that I, I, that I love deeply in my church. It made me realize that no one's right, no one's wrong. We're all just different. And God uses all the difference in the world to make it work, okay? Now, those who, who study personalities usually come up with one of, uh, usually come up with four main types, okay? So, in all, and some will use colors, some will use animals. I use different terms. And I'll just tell you, in this room today, you're probably going to be mentioned, okay? In fact, it would not surprise me that in the course of what I'm about to share for the next few minutes before we really get to the text, that a wife may lean over and elbow her husband. And she may whisper, that's you, dude, okay? So whether you use animals or whether you use colors, here's what I use. Uh, the terms I use, number one, are, are sanguine. Now, a sanguine is the wild and crazy guy. He's the one that says it like this. Let's get her done. And let's get her done right now. I mean now. Some of you are sanguine. Now, the second one is choleric. I know cholerics. They're the ones who say, if you'll just get out of my way, I'll get her done. I'm not mentioning names, but sure fits Mark Akers and people like that. Just get out of the way. I'll get her done. Melancholies. They're the ones who maybe say, well, why do we even need to get her done? And then the phlegmatics will say, well, we'll get her done one day. What's the rush? It's all going to be okay. The fact of the matter is this. God uses all different colors to fill up this wonderful world. No one's right. No one's wrong. We're all different, and it works. Several years ago, uh, God brought Don Chancellor. I told Don I was going to hit him today. Uh, God brought Don Chancellor to our staff. And uh, it's been an interesting transition for me. Uh, by the way, Don's weird, okay? And, uh, and I've had to learn to, to kind of cope with, we're, we compliment, I said in the first service, we're, uh, we're uh, uh, what did I say, we're compatible. We're really not. Uh, we uh, we complement each other, okay? Don's one of those guys that likes to think through everything before you do it. How boring. You know, I, I don't think the boy's ever had to dig out of a ditch in his life. He's thought it all out, you know. But God has used Don in my life, and I hope maybe used me in his life a little bit. I think he's used both of us and the rest of our staff and their uniqueness uh, in the life of our church, okay? But this story can't be about personalities. Because if we just talk about personalities, we really miss what's happening. You see, both Martha and Mary just like they were, were very important to, to Jesus. He loves them both deeply. He does not rebuke either. But he does challenge one to think about priorities, to think about what is most important in her life. And so since this story is really about priorities, let's talk about it. Okay, I want to give you three things this morning that we can draw out of the text about proper priorities, okay? Number one is this. Look at verse 40. 
Proper priority is a matter of focus. Now, the dictionary says that focus is where the rays of light come together to form a point or a center. Priority is a life attention getter. It's what forces us to evaluate our life and then determine in our life what should be first. Now, gang, listen. We have a lot of activities and pressures driving us. But not everything that drives us is equally important. And you have to decide what is important in your life and what place it should have in your life. There's no doubt that Martha was excited. She felt the pressure and the honor of her Lord coming to her house. Her personality was probably a little choleric there, you know. Her personality was get it done. Let's get it done right. Let's get it done now. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. My wife's a little bit like that. Guys, let me talk to the guys. You know what it's like when visitors are coming? The week before they come is just like, you know what, man? In fact, you take your shoes off. Pick up your clothes. Put your dish in the dishwasher. Paul, they're not coming for a month. Yeah, but we got to be ready, you know? Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something in verse 40 that gives us a little bit of a clue. Look at verse 40. The Bible says that Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. In fact, she was mad at her sister, and she was mad at Jesus, the visitor for whom she was preparing for. And so she's basically saying, Mary's not doing anything, and Jesus, you're not helping the situation at all. The word distracted means to be pulled all over in all different directions, to be dragged away mentally, to be overly occupied. You might read into that overbalance. Sometimes the word means to be cumbered about. Now, no doubt that Jesus appreciated her effort. But it was overkill. It was dividing her mind and her soul to the point that she was missing the blessing of just being in the presence of the master. Now, gang, I, you're a busy people. There's a lot going on in your life. Some of you work daylight to dark six days a week, and then you fit time in for God. I know how hard it must be for you. And I want to encourage you here. I just want to tell you, in the, in the midst of all of your pressures, in the midst of all that you have to do for God and His church and your family and your job, be sure you don't miss the moments with the Master that God allows you to have. You see, proper priority is seeing the point. It's seeing what is most important. And oftentimes, what is most important is not the most urgent. Our staff has been trying to work on it. It's not easy for us either. We're a busy church. And we got so much going on all the time. And if you're not careful, you'll be doing something every moment or every evening of, of every day. And it's, it's hard for us. We've just finished reading a book called The Choice. And this book has challenged us to try to evaluate 
what we're doing. Is it a God-led or is it a man-led effort? And we've real, I've realized that oftentimes in the busyness of us doing, sometimes we fail to get our church to sit. We ask you to do this and do that and do this and do that. And I understand you've got to do some of that, but my goodness, in our asking, sometimes we fail to help you sit at the feet of the master. It's a hard thing, folks, whether it's a church, whether it's a family, whether it's a business. It's a hard thing to keep driving the machine. It's a hard thing to keep feeding the monkey without nourishment. The Bible says that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. In fact, every time you read about Mary, you know what she was doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And you know what the tendency for people like me is? Get up, you lazy person. Now's not the time for your quiet time. Now's the time to cook, to prepare, to get ready for the king. But you notice Jesus didn't say that. I don't think Mary was lazy at all. She was focused. And she knew that this moment was the moment that when it was gone, it would never come back again. I, I, I had a staff guy, not here, somewhere else, so you don't know who, but uh, the dude, uh, he just, you know, if work started at 8, he got there about five seconds tip. And uh, I'm not saying he was lazy, but he sure didn't have a whole lot of energy. And he would come in to church, to, to work, and you know, we, Rick, you know what he'd do every day? He would shut his door and stay in there for 30, 40 minutes. And it started bugging me. And I would watch him, and he'd come in, go there, shut the door. And finally, I, I said, you know, what's he doing? So I decided I was going to barge in. He locked the door. I'm the boss. I couldn't get in. So I thought, what are you doing in there? And he said, I'm having a quiet time. I said, What? He said, I'm having my quiet time. And I said, dude, our church doesn't pay you to have a quiet time. Have a quiet time on your own hour. The church pays you to work, you see. There's a time for everything. And those who walk with the master are those who are focused. Because Mary knew that when the moment passed, the moment would never come back. And oh, dear people, when the moment is gone, guess what? It never comes back. We buried, we had our service for Al Dennis yesterday. I tell you, I, I'll, he's never, this in this life, I'll never see him again. And he was a grand man. He loved his church. I shared in the service that what many people don't know is that, that many years ago, when, uh, when I had not been here all that long, Brother, and I, Brother Al and I would meet up at church here on Sunday morning, far before the sun would ever break the sky and before many people were getting up. Al would meet me up here, and uh, we would just get on our knees right here in this building, and we would ask God to smile upon his people. We would ask God to turn his face with favor toward Indian Springs Baptist Church. I never realized, I guess maybe I did realize how important it was, but I didn't, the impact of the importance of it didn't hit me 
until yesterday. And here was a man of God, and he was a war hero. He was a war hero. Then he served at World War II and suffered so mightily during Korea. But here was a quiet man that simply met his pastor early on Sunday morning to pray that God would be pleased to bless his church. Al had it right. You see, it's priority is a matter of focus. Now look at verse 41. There's a second thing. Priority also is a matter of feeling. You just got to let yourself into the moment. Verse 41, but the Lord answered and said, and, and, and here's the pathos. You can just say, oh, Martha, Martha, you're so worried. You're so bothered by so many things. I think perhaps there's just a sigh in his voice. The word worried there means to be anxious, again, to be pulled in different directions. Listen, gang, life is like that. Even if your world is organized, life is like that. But if your world is out of priority, can you imagine the pressure there? See? Oh, Martha, Martha, sister, Martha. You're just so worried. Bothered means to be upset or disturbed. Kind of refers to something that grabs your energy, makes you exhausted. And again, life can be like that. And if your priority is out of whack, it can really be like that. It's, it's kind of a word that, that would describe a, a loud noise that keeps ringing in your ear, driving you crazy. I'm at that age where I have these ringings sometimes, and it's not God, you know. And I, I do this, you know, and I get, I stick my finger in my ear and try to clean it out. I get Q-tips, and, you know, and then sometimes I put a Q-tip in, pull it out on this side, you know. I just, it, it, that happens. And that's kind of the picture of the word here. And so if you allow me a little liberty, maybe Jesus is kind of doing something like this. Oh, Martha, you got so many things buzzing around you. So many things driving you. So many things pushing you. So many things pressuring you. And Martha, it's just not helping. You know, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus had to come apart from the people. If he didn't, he'd come apart, right? I want to tell you, can I suggest maybe that if Jesus had to do that, then maybe some of you need to do that. In fact, we're getting close to summer. Can I suggest, and I know money's tight, but I might would like to suggest to you to take a vacation with your spouse. To take a vacation with your kids, okay? Don will pay for it. Uh, but I, I think you ought to get away some, okay? Now, if you don't, if you miss church two weeks in a row, we're coming after you, okay? But I think you ought to do that, people. Uh, I think you ought to, daddies, you ought to take your wives. And parents, you ought to take your kids. You say, well, I don't have money to go. Well, you know, go to Hot Springs. Okay? I think I said it a few months ago, go to East End or something, you know. Just go somewhere. Because there's a feeling that when it's gone, it's gone told someone the other day, man, yeah, it's a guy, a friend of mine was struggling about what to do on something. I'm not going to mention his name, but I, he was struggling. He said, well, I've been asked to do this, but my daughter's doing that. I don't know what to do. I said, what do you mean you don't know what to do? Do that. Your daughter. You go with your daughter. That's not Sunday, is it? No, I didn't say that. Go to your daughter. You see, this will always be there. 
but baby girls and baby boys grow up and move away. And then people die on you. And then it's too late to have those kind of special feelings when God gives you that opportunity. In the book, uh, number three, I'm getting ahead of myself. Number three, look at verse 42. It's also a matter of fellowship, okay? Look at verse 42. Only one thing's necessary. Mary's chosen it. It will not be taken away. In the book I mentioned earlier, Ordering Your Private World, listen to what the author wrote. He says, if your private world is in order, it's because you have faced up to what really drives you. And now you're listening quietly for Christ who calls you. Oh, I wish I'd wrote that. If your private world is in order, it's because you, you've been honest with yourself. And you faced up to that, that, that which drives those demons that drive you. And now you're quietly sitting for the Christ who calls you. Adrian Rogers was always one of my favorite preachers. I, and the dude just knew how to preach. Uh, his voice, I mean, all of us are squeaky voice compared to him. But he had always had these sayings that he had. It was just amazing to me. One time I remember him saying, if you burn the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. Hmm? Let me ask you a question. What is your center of attention? I mentioned to you we're about to hit the spring, summer. I think it's important for us to know what our center of gravity is. Okay? Now I want to show you something as I close. Okay? Yeah, some of you saying, we're going he just wants to go hear the hogs, watch the hogs, okay? I want to show you something in verse 42 uh, that to me just blew me away as I studied. You see, uh, well, in verse 41, the end of verse 41, there's that word things there. That's actually not in the original. That was added by some of the translators for clarity. And then in verse 42, but only one, and then there's no, the word thing is added, so there's only one necessary. Now, I want to suggest to you that maybe what Jesus is saying to Martha is this, Martha, I know you care, but Martha, you just care too much. And Martha, you're overbalanced with it. Martha, instead of maybe another pot of soup, maybe just dump a couple more cups into the soup we already have. You see, I think maybe it would have been better if the translators had just left out that word thing and then let you fill in the blank. Verse 42, Tom, there's only one thing. Wayne, there's only one thing. Daryl, there's only one thing. Justin, there's only one thing. Winda, there's only one thing. Jeff, one thing. And you fill in what it is. And maybe today, maybe the reason you're here, maybe you came thinking this was a baptism of a special young lady. No, it may have been that God wanted you to hear what is, and you evaluate what that one thing is, family. To Martha, maybe she thought it was an additional dish at a meal. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe that's what it was. To Mary, maybe it was just an additional moment with the master because Jesus said she got it, and she would never lose it, see? I want to close with the context of the passage. Uh, Luke places it here in chapter 10. 
But actually, it's the last phase of the ministry of our Lord, okay? Martha didn't know that, and Mary didn't know that. But Luke, as he writes, knew it, so he placed it there. Jesus certainly knew it. And so there was a turning toward the end. When our Savior would be crucified for our sin, he would hang on a cross to take the penalty of a holy God's wrath against sin unto himself so that we wouldn't. And so he places it right there, maybe to emphasize the fact that it's about to end. And beloved, while Martha and Mary didn't know, you and I don't know tomorrow, do we? Dads, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring to your wife and your children. Wives, you're not going to know what tomorrow may bring to your husband and your children. Kids, you're not going to know what tomorrow is going to bring to your parents. And so maybe the emphasis of this story is that today's the day to do what you need to do, whatever that may be. Maybe today you need to pick up a phone. Or maybe today you need to write a card. Or maybe today you need to make a visit. Or maybe today it's something as mundane as looking at your spouse or your kids or your grandkids and say, you know, honey, I love you. I love you. Because you see, while we live in the moment and we think the moment never ends, the fact of the matter is it's a moment. The moment ends. And so I think the thrust here is this one thing, and you fill it in. You decide what that one thing Father, I love the passage. It speaks to me because of who I am and the weirdness by which I live. God, I thank you, Lord, that you don't judge different personalities, that it was you that, that, that made us the way we are. No one right, no one wrong, just different. But all of us are faced with priority challenges. We have to decide what is first. What is second? Who is first? Who is second? I, I pray that today our dear people will realize that Jesus has to be first. That's why he died on a cross. That's why he forgave us of our sin, allows us into the presence of holiness now and then one day for eternity. He has to be first. And then help the men realize that if they're married, wives are number two. Help the wives to realize if they're married, husbands, number two. And then parents realize that kids are number three. And down the line comes the job, and down the line comes church. And God, it's not that church isn't important. It's very important. And it's, it's up there. But it's up there after Christ. And I actually think, God, I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I think it's even after the family. You establish the family before the church. They're to be complementary of each other. And and so I just think that, you know, when our families are right, our church life will be right, and then our lives will be right. There's never a tension. should be a tension or a competition there. It all, all works together for the glory of God. We're to be light in a dark world and salt in a tasteless world.
Maybe today there are some that need to work on that. Maybe today when they leave and they go home and they think it, they may think, this one, and this is what I need to do. And if they'll do that, then, Father, maybe we've accomplished what we're supposed to today. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand for just a moment. Stu's going to lead us. You need to come, we invite you to come. You want to come pray, we invite you to pray. We can help you, we want to help you. While we're getting ready for baptism, I want to ask.